Hello everyone, we're locked into Nobody's Perfect, a place to learn from everyone else's mistakes so that you don't have to make those same ones. Oftentimes the best teacher, other people and their missteps, whether it be an executive or a job seeker or pretty much anyone in between. For LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host Tim Muma. Today we're going to center our conversation on the interview most often the final step in securing that job. And to help us point out the mistakes and determine a better course, Kristen Adler, Assistant Director for Career Services at Marquette University, has been kind enough to sit with us today. Kristen, thanks for stopping in with us. Thanks so much. Really, to just get right off the bat, to give people an idea of who you are, where you're coming from, briefly give us kind of your focus at Marquette and your experiences in terms of the job interview. Sure, sure. Well, I've been at Marquette in my position for four years, and I actually got my master's at Marquette in the College of Education, so I could actually work with college students full-time. And in my role, I am a career counselor, but I also work with students and employers, um, mostly employers who want to recruit our students for internships and full-time positions, but also coaching students through the career um, path, really. So the coaching piece is my favorite piece, and that would include looking for a job and an internship. In my role, I also interview people. So I've had a lot of interview experience on the other side of the table, both at Marquette and in my former career in marketing. So I've done a lot of interviews, so I think I have a good perspective for students, um, not only with my expertise in career counseling, but also with my expertise as a um, hiring person. Sure. Great. Well, that's why we're happy to have you on here, all that experience. First off, then, when you talk to people kind of before that interview, what are the things they tell you that they're maybe thinking or feeling as they head into that process? Right. I mean, it's a nerve-wracking process. So anybody who says, oh, it's no big deal, I'm just going to have an interview tomorrow, probably isn't prepared. (laughs) And that's probably the person that needs to be talking to maybe a career counselor or someone to help them with the job search. So I think there's a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of apprehension about it, because it is you know, kind of like dating. We say the job search is like (laughs) dating. You're meeting someone for the first time. It's super awkward. So um, you know, the biggest part of preparing for an interview is practice. So we found that the um, students that we work with or job candidates in general who are really practicing, doing their research, really preparing are going to be less nervous. And it's okay to be nervous because that probably means you're excited and Mm -hmm. you want the job, which is a big part. Employers want to hire passionate people. So they may have a really qualified list of candidates, but if you're not showing passion and excitement, that's not really the kind of person they want to hire. Sure. So with those emotions, I mean, are there certain certain ones that maybe affect people positively versus negatively and I guess just kind of handling those emotions going into that process. Right. I mean, I think, I mean, someone like me, for example, I'm, I talk with my hands. So I've been in an interview. <laughs> I'm always, I always call myself out to students and then I've actually flailed my hands so much that I've hit myself in the face. Clearly you don't want to do that. <laughs> so nonverbals are important. So I think, you know, slowing down your speech if you know you're a fast talker. So when we're um, helping students or job candidates in general practice interviewing, really um, the nonverbal and the verbal. So I think the twitching, a lot of people will fidget in their chair. They will play with the pen. They'll wiggle their keys, you know. So mm-hmm. all those things we can help point out. Um, you should be um, have as little as possible on you. I mean, if you obviously have your keys, put it in your bag, put it away, put everything away. A pen and a pad folio is appropriate, and that's okay. But if you're playing with your pen, make sure you're leaving it on the table <laughs> so you're not doing that. So I think that obviously the emotions that are good are the excitement piece of it, but you really need to keep that in check. I think that when we, especially when we talk with students, so, there's so much anxiety, and the ones that prepare a lot can be rehearsed. So you certainly don't want to sound like a robot. Um, That is not the kind of candidate that someone wants to hire, but certainly you want to sound confident and that you've done your research Mm because that's what a good job candidate is going to come off as in an interview. And I'm glad you brought that up, kind of the idea of researching and preparing Mm -hmm. ahead of time. You know, people know they're supposed to look up on the company a little bit, do those maybe mock interviews, practice, practice, practice. 
Are there any kind of other little tips or as far as like researching, what exactly are you looking for so you can be prepared going in? That's a great question. You know, it, it's surprising to me. I hear from employers all the time that, you know, people are good candidates, but it's the little things that go a long way. And mm-hmm. so that can range a couple different areas we can talk about. But research is huge. I mean, we'll have, for example, we host career fairs. Now, that's not a formal interview, but you should know who the company is. It's always a joke. Employers like, well, and, you know, students come up to me and say, so what do you do? Uh, we've unfortunately heard that people will do that in an interview. So clearly <laughs> that's not appropriate. Right. So, you know, who the organization is nowadays, everything's online. Right. You know, I'll talk mm-hmm. to older employers who say, back in my day, you know, I had to call and, you know, get something mailed to me, a company profile. So they're a little sensitive about, I think, <laughs> students that don't do their research. So, you know, going on the company website, who are they? What's their culture? Who are their clients? Who are their competitors? That kind of, uh, we call it being an inside industry insider, you know, being that industry insider to kind of know the scoop. LinkedIn is a huge resource. So mm-hmm. LinkedIn is, is important throughout the whole job search, but also when you're doing your research, maybe you have the name of the person interviewing or the people that are interviewing you. Look them up. Maybe they went to school where you did. Maybe they played soccer in college. You know, so there's some, some things that you can find out to kind of make that maybe personal connection, but also know who you're interviewing with. Okay. Um, and you don't have to have it rehearsed, you know, memorized, but be very confident that you can talk about that organization if they ask you, so what do you think we do? You should have an answer to that question. Great. Yeah. And this is not really necessarily along yeah. the same lines, but it, it plays a role no matter where you're going for the interview. But as far as clothing goes. Great question. How much do you talk <laughs> about that? Or what's like kind of the yeah. accepted philosophy with men and women and going yeah. into that interview spot? You know, it's such a good question. And I think so many people assume that they are that they know what to wear and what to wear mm-hmm. to an interview. And, they, and a lot of people don't. So the most basic advice I give to any candidate is to look formal. So a suit is appropriate. Now, I mean, now you can buy a jacket and pants at Target. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can go to TJ Maxx. I think women have more options. Than maybe men do. I think that's where women kind of come out. They don't have to maybe buy as expensive of a suit. But I think, you know, students will pressure us on that. Oh, well, I know that this office is really casual and they wear jeans every day. I'm going to look silly if I walk in with a suit. Um, What I like to say, and my boss, um, my director at Career Services always says, they have a job and you don't, which I think is really great advice. And when I tell a student that, that they kind of stop and they say, oh, yeah, that's true. And employers expect that this is the best you're going to look. So certainly if it's a really casual industry, so if it's a creative industry, if it's media, if it's radio, maybe just a suit coat, um, maybe jeans could be appropriate, but pants. So certainly not a three-piece suit. would be. (laughs) Does that make sense? Sure. If you're going into a very corporate atmosphere, a bank, you're going to wear a tie, obviously a suit. Um, for women and men, natural or kind of those neutral colors, browns, blues, um, pants should match your belt for guys. Um, women, usually clothes to shoes are appropriate. You don't necessarily have to wear nylons. Again, do some research. So I think that being that industry insider is also finding out who works there. You might have an alum from your alma mater that works there and can kind of give you that scoop. Sure. You know, what can I wear? You know, can I be a little bit more creative if I'm a female and have a basic suit, but can I wear a fun scarf or something like that? So usually that kind of stuff is appropriate. Um, but I think people just err on the side of, oh, it's not a big deal. Or, um, for example, they're a clothing store. So we work with a lot of retailers, Kohl's, Target, different people. And so they'll just be really trendy. Okay. And that's not necessarily professional. Does right. that make sense? Sure, so erring sure. on the side of conservative has really never um, served us wrong. And I've never had a student come back to me and say, you told me to be conservative. And everyone laughed at me. Absolutely <laughs> not. You're usually going to look the part. And unfortunately, we see people at career fairs and job interviews in our office. We host interviews in our office mm-hmm. that just could have gone to, like I said, Target or borrowed something from a friend, and they didn't. And they just erred on the side of being too casual. So does that answer your question? Yeah. And I mean, I, kind of along those lines, yeah. I mean, 
can you really overdress as far as an interview goes? Even if you're going to like a sporting goods store versus yep. a corporate, I mean, right. err on the side of caution. Absolutely. Idea, so right? a sporting goods store, you know, I think maybe it's maybe it's for just a retail clerk, mm-hmm. which is you know a job that maybe someone's seeking. Probably a, a full suit isn't maybe appropriate, but certainly khakis, dress pants, and a button-down shirt. Sure. A female could wear a skirt and a blouse. That's going to look good. You know, people always say, you know, wear something you'd wear to church, wear something you'd wear to your grandma's house. You know, just look the part. Right. And I think, um, again, little things go a long way. And when people don't look good, that's the first impression. And it's all about the first impression. Right. Well, perfect segue into oh, what okay. I was going to ask about. Right. So the day arrives, candidate yeah. walks in, you know, the, the people who are going to be interviewing there are, are ready and waiting yes. for you. As a candidate, you walk in. What what are <laughs> what's something you can say do that really leaves a positive first impression? Because you know that is such a big thing. Absolutely. Well, I think it even starts. You know, when you first get that email or that call that you have an interview, being on time. So doing your research. So if you're driving a distance, maybe it's further away. Maybe you have to park on the street, metered parking, what what have you. Do a dry run. Know where you're going. Um, but also be on time, but don't be too early. So this is something that no one ever told me, but I've kind of <laughs> learned the hard way. For example, I would always. I'm just usually very. Early early for things. So I would go maybe 20 minutes early, especially if I didn't know where I was going to. But you never go into the lobby that early. So I would never tell a candidate 15 minutes max early. I mean, I've had candidates who will show up because they're out of town or they just, you know, they were early. 30 minutes early. Oof. So that, you know, that creates pressure, right, for that right. interviewer. If I'm interviewing, I think, oh, I need to go see that student right away or I need to really change my whole schedule around. That's not a good first impression. Does that make sense? So go <laughs> to the bathroom, go to Starbucks, but also be really nice to everyone when you walk in. And this happened to me. I was really early for an interview. And so I think I went to the restroom on the third floor. They were on the first floor because I was just kind of trying to kill some time. Met someone, met a very nice woman in the bathroom, said hi to her. Turns out she was a receptionist okay. at the company I was interviewing with. So that seems like a no-brainer, but, you know, do what your parents taught you when you were little. Be nice to everyone because we've heard of people not being nice to our receptionist. For example, when you walk in, those people are talking, you know, and those people are talking. So um, a strong handshake sounds really silly. Um, We all know people that have horrible handshakes. I don't want (laughs) to say young people only. You know, practice a strong handshake. That's a good first impression. And, of course, smiling, being gracious, um, being humble. I mean, those are all really those immediate first impressions that someone's going to see when they meet you. Okay, great. So then you're in the interview process, and um, I guess this is going to be obviously going off of your experiences, conversations Mm -hmm. with people, but where have you noticed in your conversations – with people, where do they struggle the most in those interview processes? Yeah. I, one thing that always stands out to me, again, these are all things that I never heard when I was going through the interview process, right. so I think I'm definitely, um, this is a labor of love, I think <laughs> what I do with coaching students, um, not being negative. So that could be a, a whole thing, you know, a whole range of things. Perhaps I got asked, you know, what is your weakness? So some students just kind of play around that question, and we can kind of talk about more about strategy, but some will just kind of, full disclosure, talk about their weaknesses. That's right. clearly not appropriate bad-mouthing an ex-supervisor, a co-worker. I mean, it's a small world. So assume that people are going to know each other. So you never want to be negative. If you feel like you're getting asked a question, maybe why did you leave your last company? Or maybe the person already called your references, for example, and right. it was less than stellar. Try to spin it. Try to be positive. Say, I was you know, looking for a different opportunity. Our personalities didn't match. You never want to bad-mouth. 
You never want to put yourself down. Um, a lot of people we also coach really say, oh, I just did this. Oh, I just did that. Never say that. You know, be really <laughs> confident what you bring to the table. And that goes in with your research, not only research of the company, but also research and reflection on what you bring. So how am I a good fit for this position? How do I fit with this organization? You may not have all 20 things that they want on the job description. That's a wish list. Most people don't have everything. Um, but what do you have? And how can you really sell it to make mm-hmm. yourself stand out in a very competitive job market? Sure. And you touched on a few things. Okay. And, um, you know, I had a, a question that I always thought was a tough yeah. one, whether it was in mock interviews uh, or, or in an actual interview. Sure. But, you know, they say, why should we hire you over the other candidate? And the reason I the reason I say this tough is I know nothing oh. about who else is a candidate. I right. know, I don't know how many there are. <laughs> like, as you said, you want to say anything negative about like how you're better than them necessarily. Yep. So what would be your advice, your strategy in yeah. going after that question? Great question. And I think that that's where people struggle. I've had some employers say, you know, that's how I end an interview and I want to hear that. Right. Some employers say, I don't even need to ask that question because I better know why, <laughs> what, just kind of the first part of that question, why should I hire you? Don't worry about the other candidates. To me, that's just more of an add-on to the question. Okay. They really want to know, why should we hire you? Typically, that'll be at the end. That's your final sales pitch. So if you've done a good job in that interview talking about, you know, maybe those two or three skills or experiences that you have to make yourself stand out, that could be a summary statement. So, you know, end with a bang. It might sound cheesy, but, you know, <laughs> turn it on. So, you know, I'm passionate. I'm hardworking. I have XYZ experience, and this is why I'm the best candidate for the job. So don't focus. You don't know who the other candidates are, and if you do, that's inside scoop. So right. no one would typically know that. It's really your final sales pitch to kind of sum it all up, you know, kind of wrap it up in a bow, so to speak, and just really leave that good lasting impression for them. And then I'm sure there are times, I don't remember this ever happened to me necessarily, but it's got to happen where a person gets a question that they don't really know how to respond or they don't have a response because right. maybe it's a skill-oriented question or a, mm-hmm. or a product that's used or, or whatever the case may be. Right. What's the proper response if you don't really have a response to that question? That's a great question. Um, Typically, we'll see um, employers using behavior-based interviewing, especially for entry level. So tell me about a time when. Those are, you know, past behavior predicts future behavior. But, of course, we'll hear about those horror stories. You know, not everybody's a good interviewer. (laughs) You know, if you were an animal, what would you be? If you were part of a pie, I've actually heard that's a question. What What part of the pie would you? I mean, ridiculous. So those are just ridiculous questions. But maybe a more, you know, sane question. You know, tell me about this or how would you handle this situation? Maybe it's a little case study question. It's fine to ask for a couple minutes to think about it. Now, that can be really awkward for any candidate. I don't know if I've ever done that. I'm typically a person that just starts talking and then hope I have a good answer, which isn't always a great strategy. But taking a deep breath, first of all, saying that's a great question is complimenting the interviewer. So that buys you a little bit of time. But maybe looking at your portfolio or just, you know, kind of just looking up, not awkwardly, to just really um, have a couple minutes to think about it. You'll probably come up with something good if it's more of a skills question. If it's a hard and fast question, Maybe it's something about your old company or maybe it's something really specific. You might have to say, you know what, that's such a great question. Let me follow up with you about that. Sure. So if, it, if it's about you or why you want the job, clearly you need to come up with a good answer. And that's where research comes in and really that reflection and preparation. So it shouldn't be that hard of a question, but feel free to take a minute. Even though it seems awkward, that's an absolutely appropriate strategy. And with those questions, obviously they're going to reference different things you say or possibly your resume. How often does that come up with questions about the resume? whether it be GPA, work experience, and along those same lines, 
is it how important is it to make sure you have your resume in front of you so that you know exactly what they're talking I'm about? I'm so glad you asked that because I think, <laughs> you know, I remember I would get asked questions just randomly about my college experience or that I was in a club that I hadn't really thought too much about. Right. I didn't do that preparation. So certainly anything on your resume is fair game. So know your resume backwards and forwards. And sometimes you get so focused on the job that you're interviewing and researching for that you forget to look at your resume. So I'm so glad you said that. Look at your resume. Have copies of your resume with you. So we always tell candidates, bring a Pedfolio, just a leather um, leather Pedfolio you can get at Target, Walgreens, or just get a folder. It doesn't have to be that fancy. Have maybe five to ten copies of your resume. There may be people that are going to get brought in to the interview. Maybe it's going really well, sure. and you may want to pass that out. Maybe you've updated your resume. Um, certainly have that. Um, don't necessarily have it in front of you reading it. You should know that. But certainly GPA, maybe it's a low GPA, and they really want it to be higher. You should have a case for that. That's really part of the preparation. So to say, I was involved in five student activities, or I was involved in volunteer work, and I also have a family, you know, right. um, not excuses, but that's your story. So make sure you have that prepared in advance. So everything's fair game. Okay. Yeah. And along those same lines, yeah. what kind of topics or areas do you think that maybe if they're asking you a question about, it, obviously you're going to answer, but what areas should you as the candidate maybe avoid and make sure that if it doesn't come up, that's <laughs> fine. If they bring it up, then obviously you got to answer. But what, what should you really try to avoid? Yeah, anything salary. You know, I feel like that's common sense, but sure. nothing really is common sense anymore, <laughs> I feel like. So certainly you're not going to ask about benefits in that interview. You're not going to ask about salary. They should be talking to you about that when appropriate. Certainly we've heard of um, candidates who have been, you know, three rounds in. No one's talked about benefits. No one's talked about salary. So it's always appropriate to ask that. But that really, hopefully there's an HR person that you can ask and uh -huh. not the person that's interviewing you who would maybe be your supervisor. And that's kind of awkward. So salary benefits, um, you know, being really blunt about maybe some problems. Obviously, we're still in a tough economy. So, you know, obviously financial issues or anything like that. You want to be knowledgeable. So certainly to talk about, you know, how has your company um, still succeeded in this tough economy? That's a thoughtful, good question mm -hmm. at the end. We can talk about good questions to ask, but certainly not to be inappropriate or, wow, your competitor really just burned you with that product. <laughs> or something. I mean, obviously, you want to be appropriate and sensitive and always be humble. It's like you, you always want to be confident, but you can't be overly confident. And that's really hard, I think, for job candidates. But sure. the more you have interviews and the more you practice, the better you get at that. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I think, you know, the mock interviews I do think are really important. I, I, I didn't think it would be that important, but just going through that process and not realizing the questions or how you would feel, I think that does really give somebody an edge. Well, absolutely. And I had um, coached a student, it was probably two years ago, engineering major, really competent, probably had gone through about 10 interviews. Didn't understand why he wasn't getting second round interviews. Right. And so I really, you know, asked him some questions and I said, you know, can you give me five of your skills? You know, what are five skills that you have? And he was totally stumped. And I thought, okay, first of all, you have a million skills. So that's something we really focus when we're coaching students on that reflection piece. So what skills do I have to bring to the table? A lot of those are going to be called not, um, I'm sorry, transferable skills, which are mm -hmm. those soft skills. So right. critical thinking, problem solving. Those are skills that some people don't think are important. But honestly, employers are telling us every day, I can train this person on what I need them to do in the, in the job, but I cannot train someone to be on time, to be professional in the workplace, to be a critical thinker. So those are important. So really being able to reflect on what do I bring to the table? And that's that preparation piece. Sure. And with those mock interviews you kind of yeah. mentioned or the coaching that you mentioned, you'll point out things that people do, whether it be the fidgeting or whatever else. Um, I guess any kind of tips for, for that sort of thing that happens? Because as you mentioned, I mean, the fidgeting, as I've seen, people see that as being nervous or lack mm -hmm. confidence or mm -hmm. even an idea of like there's a, an air of desperation. What kind of tips do you have for yeah. people to uh, avoid those things right. or just somehow focus their energy somewhere else? You need to really, I think, ask for help. So some people will actually videotape themselves in an interview. Um, if you have, if, 
if you're a current student or you're an alum where you can go to a career counselor like what we do at Marquette, certainly make an appointment. You know, you usually make an hour appointment. It may not even take that long. If you don't have access to that, I mean, I used to call my mom <laughs> and say, Mom, can you ask me these three questions I need to practice up just sure. to get that practice piece? But with the nonverbals, maybe you ask a, a friend to sit with you and ask questions and then ask another friend that's not going to laugh and make fun of you, of course, <laughs> to kind of sit in the corner and be an observer. And so that person, you know, obviously needs to be someone you trust. But maybe that person says, you know, you are really talking with your hands. So maybe you should put them on your lap. Or it looks like you're really sweating. So maybe you should wear something different. I mean, it could be a whole range of things. But the pen, playing with hair, that's a big thing for women. So women who have long hair, a lot of times pull it half back, you know, get it out of your face, just all those distractions, (laughs) but someone really observing you. So you really need to ask for help. And most people are happy to help. And we've all been there, right? We've all been in the job search process. We've all been looking for that job. So people are happy to help. And along those same lines, for me, like I always had the question, how do you balance when you're in the interview as a candidate, Mm -hmm. the feeling of, you know, yes, I really want this job and passionate and really want it versus being desperate and giving, giving the interviewers an idea of, whoa, this person's coming out way too strong and something's not right here. How do you balance that? Like what's, what's a key for a candidate to to look for? That's such a good question. Cause I think, you know, when I talk to students, some are like so excited about that job and it's their end all be all. Well, certainly my next question is, are you applying elsewhere? Not that I'm discouraging them, but you should never put all your eggs in one basket. So I think that kind of helps that confidence on the overly eager aspect part of it. But the ones that maybe, you know, don't seem as interested. I mean, we'll talk to people too who say, you know, I'm interviewing tomorrow. I don't really know if I want the job. I don't really know how to approach that. So we always tell people, you know, act like it is that dream job. You know, don't be too overexcited, but you never know. And we've talked to people who say, you know what, I went into that interview. I wasn't even excited about it. And I think I blew it (laughs) because I didn't prepare, right? I mean, you never know until you do the interview. So if it looks interesting to you, apply to the job. If it seems like it might be something you want to do, go to the interview. Of course, don't waste anyone's time. So be a courteous job seeker. If you're really not interested after an interview, bow out of the, you know, bow out of the process because obviously it's so competitive out there. But I think just, you know, having that confidence enough because you've done your research, but don't seem desperate. So certainly never at a point in an interview should you say, I mean, this is my dream job. What do I need to do to take this job? I mean, unfortunately you hear that. And then you hear about candidates who are like, eh, you know, just kind of go through the motions. That's, that's just inconsiderate. So if you're, if you're really not that interested, you shouldn't even be going on the interview, but you know, kind of go kind of middle of the road, be excited, be passionate. You might have to turn it on a little, especially if you don't think you're that excited about it. But sometimes at the end of the interview, you you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I totally want this job. I'm so glad I put the time and effort in, you know, to really be a good interviewee. And I think, you know, you mentioned with, again, finding that balance of how much you want the job versus I'm not sure. The question to me always comes up as far as at the end of the interview, they're going to ask you, you know, oh, do you have any questions for us? What is the strategy there? What are the best questions that people should and can ask to either put themselves ahead of somebody else or even just get information? I'm so glad you asked that because so many people will say, and I probably did this in my past, oh, you did such a great job. I don't have any questions for you. Kiss of death for most employers. (laughs) Kiss of death. Because that means you really maybe haven't been thoughtful enough to prepare questions. Certainly if you brought a pad folio and notepad with you, it is fine to bring that out and have a list of questions. Now, I always tell people don't have 25 questions necessarily. You might. I mean, if it's an all-day interview, that'd be appropriate to prepare a lot of questions for different groups. That's kind of a different strategy. But if it's a one-hour basic interview or one-on-one, five to ten questions, thinking about what do you want to know? So certainly kind of the same questions you prepared on. So, you know, I read online that this is really your mission. Can you tell me more about that? Especially when you're meeting with high-level people, don't ask about menial things. You know, obviously ask maybe some big-picture stuff. But I always like to ask for two reasons. Um, You're complimenting the interviewer, and also it's kind of the inside scoop. I like to ask people, why do you work here? You know, why have you stayed? 
stayed here for okay. five years. What is it that makes you get out of bed every day and, and get excited about coming here? Because one, they love being asked about themselves, right? <laughs> you never know the group dynamic. I mean, I've been in interviews with 10 people, sure. I've been in interviews with one person. So you kind of want to engage the room with that. But also you want to know that about a candidate. You know, you want to know about that culture. It's really, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. That maybe goes back to the nerve question that you asked earlier, mm-hmm. knowing that, yeah, it's really important for me to get a job. We all need to have a livelihood, but also it's important to find a fit. So, of course, in my line of work, we want everybody to find a job that they're really passionate about and they really like to do. So always preparing questions. You could Google questions to ask at interview, and you could come up with a bunch of them. Think about questions that you really want to know about um, and then go from there. But always be prepared with questions. At least ask, you know, two or three. Sometimes you run out of time. Typically, that interviewer is happy to have you email them with some additional questions that you mm-hmm. didn't have to get time to ask. But you should always say yes to that question okay. um, and have a couple of thoughtful questions ready. Great. I guess kind of to somewhat wrap it up a little yeah. bit, um, you know, the idea of the segment is nobody's perfect, that there are mistakes that are made. So what sort of things somebody could say is just a killer? Like the interviewers just cringe or inside they just go, they cross you off the list just based on one thing you say. And it's unfortunate, but it does happen, I would imagine. Right. I mean, I guess it's going to depend on the interviewer, right? So everybody's subjective. I mean, I probably have used this phrase my whole career and I won't use it anymore. Um, <laughs> when people say, what are one of your skills or what are you really good at? And you say, oh, I'm a people person. <laughs> so kind of avoid some of those cliches. Right. Instead, you know, I'm a team player. For example, this is what I did. So we kind of talked about behavior-based interviewing, but one thing that nobody does, and I've interviewed, I've sat on search and screen process, for example, for PhD-level candidates that really weren't prepared to answer those questions, always provide an example. So if they're okay. asking you three of your skill sets, maybe instead of people person to say, you know, I'm a team player, I have really good interpersonal skills, communication skills, to say, <laughs> for example, when I had this job and this was my project that I worked on. Does sure. that make sense? So anytime you can squeeze in an example, that's giving the employer the vision of the past behavior will hopefully predict future behavior if they hire you. Does that make sense? So I don't think if there's one thing, I mean, I think people being rude, people being late, um, just, you know, again, common sense. People have walked in interviews chewing gum. I mean, it's, you know, (laughs) minimize, just, you know, kind of just think, you know, what are some basic things that I, you know, should be doing normally when I'm interacting with someone and kind of do that. I think being late, I mean, you hear about that all the time. Sure. You'll even hear about candidates not even showing up. I mean, if you are not interested, you need to obviously respectfully decline that interview and not just not show up. I mean, sometimes it's the little things. And I talk to students all the time that say, oh, I just was on time. Oh, I just applied. Oh, I just sent a cover letter and I personalized it and all that. And they say, oh, it's what's the big deal? Because people aren't doing that. People okay. are not doing the basic things. So really kind of just using those basic strategies will make you stand out. Absolutely. Right. And if it doesn't go well, I think it's important to shake it off. So if you're in the job <laughs> search, maybe you don't have a good interview. I mean, I've said in interviews where I think five of the people in the room must not like me. I mean, you never know what you're walking into. They may right. have just fired a friend of that person's. And that person drilled me and said, why are you qualified? I can't believe you. I'm pretty much saying, why are you even here? Like, okay, well, I was just going to keep smiling and talk <laughs> about my qualifications. And, you know, you may not win over everyone. But shake it off. Go out for ice cream. Talk to your friends. You know, just do something fun to just kind of move on. Don't get discouraged because I think a lot of people will get discouraged when they don't have a good interview. And sometimes you don't think it's good and you end up getting a second interview. So sure. you just never really know. Um, but that preparation will build that confidence to kind of keep going. And it's a marathon. You know, I mean, it's definitely not something that you do overnight with a job search. But I remember my mom telling me, you know, you only need one job. You know, you might apply to a million jobs and go on 10 different 
interviews, you only need one. Right. So. Well, you, you've given us a tremendous Great. amount of advice here today. Unfortunately, our time pretty much is up. So I want to thank you once again, Kristen, for joining us here on Nobody's Perfect. Uh, and I want to thank you, all the listeners, for joining us as well and hopefully getting a few valuable nuggets here. Please be sure to keep checking in to localjobnetwork.com radio and to continue this learning process that we're all going through. If you do have any comments or suggestions, please email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Kristen, once again, thank you for coming in. Well, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. And once again, I'm Tim Muma. And remember, nobody's perfect so let them teach you.